you have your Bibles, open them to Psalms 121. Psalms 121. How many of you like road trips? You like road trips? You like the mystery, the intrigue of just uh, hopping in the car and heading out and going. I'm that kind of person. I, I can hop in the car and have no destination in mind, and I'm real happy with that. Unfortunately, I'm married to a wife that doesn't like that kind of thing. She's got to have it all planned out. We've got to know where we're going, when we're going, when we're going to arrive, where we're going to stop to eat, and all of that stuff. And then she produced three daughters, and most of them are pretty good, but they did get that one thing from her that they hate those types of road trips. So growing up in, in my house was kind of an adventure sometimes. Um, I think one of the first trips that Daddy took with the daughters all by themselves was a Father's Day trip. My mom and dad had gone up to Huntington Lake, and so they had talked us, me into going up too and spending some time. So we loaded the girls in the car, and I did, and um, I had all their stuff packed ahead of time, and Kathy was going to stay home, and, and I said, we're going to go grab a, a Starbucks. And so we did. We went and grabbed a Starbucks. We got back on the highway there, and, and we started going the other direction. And Beth was old enough to figure out something's going on here. And uh, pretty soon I hear them talking, and they, we passed one city, and then the next, they go, Dad, where are we going? And finally, when I told them where we're going, it was Fit City, I'm telling you. <laughs> pull over, pull over, stop, and tears were shedding, and people were mad. Kayla was spitting at me from the back. No, she didn't really do that. But they were really upset about that. And halfway there, I was upset about it because she got car sick and made a mess everywhere. That was the road trip that you don't want to go on, I'm telling you. But I like that kind of adventure. But how how many of you have traditions when you go on these trips? Certain music that you listen to? Uh, How many of you have, you got to give away your age a little bit, but how many ever heard of mixtapes? You'd take the music you liked and you'd record it to one cassette and put it in, and some of the young ones are like, what's a cassette, you know? But you'd record it and you'd go, and I do that, and I, I do it now with CDs or the MP3s or whatever. But you just have those kinds of things. And music, this psalm is kind of a road trip song, if you will. This psalm is one that was sung at certain times when the children of Israel would make a journey back to Jerusalem during certain feasts. And so we're going to look at that. In Deuteronomy 16, we find that God told the children of Israel that they were to make three trips back to this special place, Mount Zion. In Deuteronomy 16 and 16, it says, Three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God at the place that he will choose, at the feast of the unleavened bread, at the feast of weeks, and at the feast of booths. They shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord your God that he has given you. And so this morning, we're going to pick up on one of the psalms that there's about 10 to 15 psalms in here that are called the Songs of Ascents. And they're basically songs that they would sing on these road trips back to Jerusalem. And they call them Ascents because they have to climb the hill to get to the holy city. And so as they're going, they'd see the city off in the distance up on a hill, and and they're ascending that hill. And so they had songs that they would sing. Here's uh, what one author said about these psalms. He said, These psalms are identified as songs of ascents because they were sung by pilgrims making their way to Jerusalem, which was, as noted above, located in a mountainous area. These pilgrims had to ascend to get there. It is possible that these songs were so named for another reason, namely what the pilgrims themselves experienced as they journeyed. 
as they ascended to Jerusalem to attend its annual feast, their hearts ascended within them. If this was indeed the case, these hymns speak very pointedly to us about how we regard public worship, he says. And then he asks these questions. He says, can we say that our hearts ascend within us as we anticipate worship in the house of God? We should regard worship in the Lord's house with the Lord's people as the highlight of the week and look forward to it more and more with each passing day. And isn't that a thought to really ponder there? Do we really look forward to worship in the house of God? Is Sunday something that, man, we just all week long, we're saying, man, I can't wait till Sunday. I can't wait to see my brothers and sisters. I can't wait to sing the songs of Zion. I can't wait to, to fellowship. And I can't wait to hear the word of God preached. And I, I can't wait to enter into the house of prayer and offer up my prayers and thanksgivings to God. Or has Sunday in our culture become something that we almost dread and we treat it like going to a doctor? Amen. And if there's any doctors in the house, no offense. Amen. But you guys carry needles and stuff we don't like. But we sometimes get to where church becomes a chore to us. It is something we've got to check off. Well, I've got to do this. And there has to be a a father in heaven that looks down and says, why do you despise coming to my house so much? And Sunday ought to be the day when, when we wake up with a song in our heart. Kathy came in this morning, and I was in doing a few things, and she's standing there, and she starts singing, All of me wants all of you. And I said, baby, you can have me. And she said, I'm talking about the Lord, Mike. She said, I'm singing songs, and she's good about that. Sunday mornings are just songs of praise and worship for her. I probably shouldn't have said that, huh? Let's, let's, let's move on very quickly. So this is this song of ascent, this climbing of the hill, going to the house of worship. And here's what it says in Psalms 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. And as you read through those words, you can pick up this this sense of a journey, can't you? He talks about the the sun beating down on us and and the nighttime as the moon comes out and gives the light and, and he reflects day and night as we travel, God protects us. He watches over us and he talks about the slumbering and sleeping and the weariness sometimes that takes place in the journey. This is one of these journey songs. And every one of us, if, if we'll really look at it, we're on this journey. We're on this pilgrimage. We start one place and we end one place. And God has us traveling. Dr. John MacArthur broke this psalm down in an outline. And he outlined it this way. The first two verses is God is our helper. And indeed, he is our helper. The second two verses, he says, God is our keeper. And aren't you glad that he's able to keep us? That he's able to protect us. This Sunday morning in Sunday school, Kevin talked about no man is able to pluck us out of our Father's hands. And we serve a God that is big enough to keep us. He's also our protector, he said, in verses 5 and 6. And then he closes by saying he is our preserver in verses 7 through 8. 
Another man divided the passage and he said there are several things to note that God promises in this passage. He tells us, number one, that the Lord is our helper in verse 2. That the Lord will not let our feet be moved in verse 3. The Lord is our keeper in verse 5. The Lord will not slumber, but will remain faithful to us. The Lord is your shade in verse 5. The Lord will keep you from all evil. The Lord will keep your life, he says in verse 7. And the Lord will keep your going out and your coming in forever in verse 8. So this song is just filled with these reassurances of God. And those are some great things to have. Anytime we set out on a journey, we all kind of make preparation, don't we? And we make plans for the inevitable or things that could happen along the way. Just the other day, I took off on a little journey and had a blowout on the tire. And I sat there for a minute and said, now what am I going to do? And I know some of you say, change the tire. But it was a bad blowout. And it was a bad place. And, but I immediately thought, AAA. And I called him, and within a matter of moments, things were taken care of. And I thought, whew, thank goodness for AAA. And I thought about that in our life. That as we journey through this life, we're going to have all sorts of things that come up. That we're not going to be able to call AAA or any other automobile club for. But we have a God in heaven who watches over us, who protects us, who is there for us. This is a journey song. This is a psalm that talks about the mission or the traveling that we're on. And let me just share with you some things this morning about this journey. And the first thing I want to talk to you about is the distance. Distance is something that makes most journeys difficult, isn't it? How many of you can remember taking kids on trips? And man, that is the toughest thing in all the world, isn't it? When we begin to take a child on a trip, they are so difficult. How many of you have heard this before? Are we there yet? And then followed up with, how much longer? And then we respond to the how much longer with about an hour. How long is an hour? (laughs) The distance makes the life, the trip so much more difficult. Or, Or maybe the question is, can we stop and get something? To which we say, no, we can't stop. Everything along the way, we want to stop. Krispy Kreme donuts, the lights on, can we stop? Starbucks, can we stop? You know? Chicken McNuggets, can we stop? And the journey goes along, and as parents, we say no. And you know what? In our journey, too, there's a lot of things out there that we want to stop for. And sometimes God says, no, we've got to keep on going here. Then there's the bathroom stops. Long journeys are terrible with bathroom stops, aren't they? And I remember when the girls were all little, they were about three years apart, and it was bad with one, it was worse with two, and it was the worstest with three. And they, I know worstest isn't a word, I know that. But it would be like, you know, can't you guys coordinate this and make this happen at the same time? But every 15, 20 minutes, I got to go now, and I got to go now. And we're stopping forever. And I thought when they grow up, I won't have to deal with that anymore. How many of you have discovered when they grow up, it's not the kids that are asking to stop, it's you and mama asking to stop. <laughs> I've discovered that Sacramento is twice as far as it was when I was young. Used to take four, now it's about eight hours to get there. But those long journeys, those great distances are very difficult for us. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 28 says, Have you not heard? Have you not known? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. 
His understanding is unsearchable. And the reason I quote that to you is because in this passage, in this psalm, what does he tell us in verse 3 and 4? He says, it is the Lord who keeps you who will not slumber. In verse 4, he says, he'll neither slumber nor sleep. And long journeys are difficult and we get tired and we get weary. But the psalm tells us that we have a God that does not slumber and does not sleep. He never grows weary. He never grows faint. And isn't that the kind of person that you want to have with you on that long journey? I'll tell you, company on a long journey is great. Unless your company can't stay awake, right? I've had a few trips just recently. We, Kathy and I made a trip up and a trip back, and, and she tries so hard to stay awake to keep me awake. And, and I'll be driving along and got the radio on, got the air conditioner to keep me chilled out, you know, to keep me awake. And I'm drinking coffee, and, and she's just over her head tilted back, snoring away. Every once in a while, she'll, are you awake? I said, yeah, not like you. I'm awake, you know. But we serve a God that even when we have come to the end of the rope and we don't even think we can keep our eyes open anymore and that we can keep going on for God, that our God never sleeps and never slumbers no matter how difficult or how long the journey is. He's there for us and He's always awake and He's always alert. There's nothing that catches Him off guard. God knows the distance of the journey and He goes with us on that journey. Every one of us come from different places, don't we? In this journey towards Christ, in this journey towards heaven one day, we all come from different places. How many of you heard people say about church, they say, come as you are. And I, I, I'm not totally opposed to that, amen. You, you come, you wear what you got, and you, I, man, don't ever stay home because you don't think you got the right clothes to wear or, or, or the right hair. Just come. But I think maybe a better term would be come from wherever you are. That no matter how far away from God you are, no matter how distant you've traveled, no matter how close you are, still come. Because we all come from different places, don't we? And the reality is this, you and I can be a thousand miles away or a few feet away and we can still be separated from God. There might be folks that have never darkened the door of a church and you say, man, they are a long ways from God. There might be folks that have grown up in church that are still separated from God. Isaiah said, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or His ear dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hidden His face from you so that He does not hear. So we serve a God that is with us on this journey. And the distance of the journey, therefore, isn't all that relevant. As long as God is with us, we're okay. The second thing I wanted to point out is the difficulties of the journey. Sometimes we take trips and and they're just easy. Everything goes perfect. And there are other trips we take that it seems like everything that could go wrong does go wrong. A few years ago, we took Alyssa back to Nashville. That was one of those wrong trips. Everything that could break down broke down the highest temperature could possibly have for the season, it was there. I mean, it's just one of those terrible trips. And I want you to pray for us because in a couple weeks, we got to go back out and get that car with my daughter and drive it home. I told Kevin in an email the other day, I said, we're going. And I said, this time, Lord willing, we're going to see something more exciting than Lake Havasu. There are difficulties in the journey. 
And in verse 5 of our psalm this morning, he said this, The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. And that term shade represented protection to the children as they traveled through the wilderness. This was shelter that, that he was offering them. That there was a shade from the sunlight and, and that he would protect them from the heat of the day, but he would also protect them from the coolness of the night. And God journeys with us through this life and he is our shelter. He is our protector. And no matter how difficult things get, he says, God will keep us. An old hymn said this, and you may recognize it. Time is filled with swift transition. Not of earth unmoved can stand. Build your hope on things eternal. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Trust in Him who will not leave you. Whatsoever years may bring. If by earthly friends forsaken, still more closely to Him cling. Covet not this world's vain riches that so rapidly decay. Seek to gain the heavenly treasures that they will never pass away. When your journey is completed, if to God you have been true, Fair and bright, the home and glory your enraptured soul will view. Hold to God's changing hand. The journey may be difficult. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but amen, we serve a God that regardless of what tomorrow brings, He's able to keep us, to shelter us, and to protect us through the worst of storms. So there are the difficulties. And then there are the dangers on the journey. How many of you realize that, man, you take a journey these days, it's a dangerous world out there, isn't it? It is a dangerous world out there. You don't know what people are going to do. I remember when we broke down, people would start to drive by, and we're in the middle of the desert, and I'm thinking, I'm going to flag them down, and then I'd look, and I'd say, maybe I don't want to flag them down. You know, who knows? But it's a dangerous world out there. He said, the Lord will keep us. In verse 7, He'll keep us from all evil. He will keep your life, he says. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. And so no matter how dangerous our journey is, God is there and he keeps us from all evil. How many remember the story of the Good Samaritan? That man that made his journey and the thieves came and they beat him up and they robbed him and left him for dead. And of course we know the good Samaritan came along and he, he nursed him back to health. He took him to an inn and he paid the man to take care of him. When others had passed him by, he was the good Samaritan. But in that story, we find a man traveling down the road. And in fact, Jesus said in Matthew, Luke 10 and 30, Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. So in that story, we find this man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. But do you realize that was the same road that three times a year, God's children would have to go not down, but back up to Jerusalem. And imagine that the same robbers that were there when you went down to Jericho were waiting for you when you went up to Jerusalem. Sometimes life's journeys will take us through some dangerous places some perilous places, but God is with us. This journey can be filled with all sorts of dangers. 1 Peter 5 and 8 says this, Be sober-minded, be watchful, because your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That sounds like a pretty dangerous journey, isn't it? 
It's not like we get saved and all of a sudden there's nothing dangerous in this life. We get saved and give our hearts to Christ. And the warning that Peter gives us is, hey, but be careful, be alert, be aware, because your adversary, your enemy is like a roaring lion and he is just looking to devour you. Jesus warned Peter that Satan wanted to sift him like wheat. He wanted to run his hand through his life and and destroy him if he possibly could. Jesus said, but I prayed for you. And so it can be filled with dangers. Romans 8, and verse 31 through 39, and we'll just hop around a little there, but listen to some of the dangers he describes. He says, what, what then shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies Who is to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. And then listen to what he describes here. He says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? That sounds like a pretty dangerous journey that we're on, isn't it? Not that we have to panic because he says God is greater than anybody that could be against us. But know this, the dangers are out there. He goes on, as it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. And then in verse 37, he picks up again with the dangers. He says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So this journey that we're on has many dangers. But as the children journeyed, they sang this song that said, He's able to keep us from all evil. He's our shade in the heat of the day. He's our warmth in the cool of the night. He protects us from the time we enter this world until the time that we leave this world. God is our protector. Then I want you to think about the destination. Because the destination makes it all worthwhile, doesn't it? We start this journey, and just like the children of Israel start out, and they have this destination in mind. We're going to Jerusalem. We're going to the holy hill of God. We're going to worship our God. Along the way, we're going to face difficulties and we're going to face uh, dangers. We're going to face things. But the destination makes it all worthwhile. Max Lucado, in his book, From the Eye of the Storm, describes a trip that he took with his little girls. Thanksgiving trip. How many of you have made those types of Thanksgiving or Christmas trips? He describes that and how that they'd ask him those questions, how much longer, and can we stop here, can we stop there, and and he just talks about this whole journey they're on and the process of traveling across the country with his little, little children. But he sums it all up by saying this, he says, can I speak candidly for a few lines? For some of you, the journey has been very long, very long and stormy. In no way do I wish to minimize the difficulties that you have had to face along the way. Some of you have shouldered burdens that few of us could ever carry. You have bid farewell to lifelong partners. You have been robbed of lifelong dreams. You've been given bodies that can't sustain your spirit. You have spouses who can't tolerate your faith. You have bills 
that outnumbered the paychecks and challenges that outweigh the strength. And you are tired. It's hard for you to see the city in the midst of the storms. The desire to pull over to the side of the road and get out entices you. You want to go on, but some days the road seems so long. Let me encourage you with one final parallel between your life's journey and the one our family took last night. It's worth it. As I write, the Thanksgiving meal is over. My legs are propped up on the hearth. My tablet is on my lap. I have every intention of dozing off as soon as I finish this chapter. The turkey has been attacked. The giblet gravy has been gobbled. The table is clear. The kids are napping. And the family is content. As we sat around the table today, no one spoke of the long trip to get here. No one mentioned the requests that I didn't honor. No one grumbled about my foot being on the accelerator when the hearts were focused on the banana splits. No one complained about the late hour of arrival. Yesterday's challenges were lost in today's joy. That's what Paul meant. God never said that the journey would be easy, but he did say that the arrival would be worthwhile. Remember this. God may not do what you want, but he will do what is right and best. He's the father of forward motion. Trust him. He will get you home. And the trials of the trip will be lost in the joys of the feast. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'll close my eyes. I'm a bit tired from the journey, and it feels good to rest. Brothers and sisters, listen, as we journey through this life, there's going to be many dangers and difficulties and trials and hardships, but the destination makes it all worthwhile. Paul said, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not even worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in Christ Jesus. The destination, that hill, that place. Psalms 24, verses 3 through 6 read this. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in His holy place? See, who's going to be there? Who's going to be the one that stands in the holy place? And then he answers, He who has clean hands, and a pure heart, and who does not lift up his soul to what is false, and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. The question this morning for us is, who's going to be there? He gives us a clear answer. Number one, he says, those who have clean hands. And those clean hands is, a, is an outward thing, isn't it? I can bring a basin up here today and I could wash my hands and I could say, my hands are clean. And, and that needs to take place in our lives. That when we come to Christ, we've got some cleaning up on the outside to do, don't we? There's some things that we need to cut out of our life. There's some practices that we need to stop doing. And there's some, just some cleaning up on the outside that needs to occur. But it goes beyond that. He says, not just clean hands. He says, pure hearts. It's not just an outward thing, but that I've given my life to Christ and He has come inside and He has cleansed the inside. It's not superficial. This is real and this is deep. God says, He who has clean hands and pure hearts. And then He says this, who has not lifted up His soul to what is false. And He's just saying there that we are committed to God. That we've not 
lifted up our heart to something else out there in this world. That we worship God and God alone, and he's really talking about idolatry. That there's nothing else out there that has come between us and God. He's first and he's foremost. This morning, I just want you to think about what it would have been like making those trips. Three times a year, and can you just imagine the children of Israel as they make those journeys singing these songs? Lord, I'm looking to the hills. Where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Every one of us are on a journey. We've come from a long ways off, more than likely. And every one of us, hopefully, are looking up. Our help comes from the Lord. Let's stand.